Hey everyone, welcome back to Cowboy Up, the Oklahoma State Baseball Podcast. I am so sorry for being away for such a long time, I apologize about that, but we are back, and today's episode, episode number three, we are going to be talking about the 2021 season, give a short recap on how that went, and also going to be breaking down the uh, position players and how fall ball went for them. And then also going to wrap up the show with some uh, different thoughts of what we can be thankful for, uh, as obviously this is Thanksgiving weekend. So hope all of you are doing well. Let's cowboy up. The 1-1. There's a drive deep to left. Forget about it. Goodbye. Way gone into the South Carolina night. Home run, Connor Costello. Oh, I got a hanging breaking ball out over the plate. Oh, they knocked out the window on a rental car. The stretch, the pitch. There's a drive to left field and deep going back as Roman still going back, 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 and goodbye! God! Grand slam, Corey Hassel. Yeah, right there, elevated out over the plate, get the barrel to it, stand tall, and never eat, big dog. Corey Hassel with the home run, and the Cowboys have a 5 to nothing lead. Pitch, swing and a miss, strike three. Once again for the Cowboys. Yeah, all started on the mound. Got a big-time quality start today by Brett Stanley. Turned it over to Basso. Huge double play left on left. They're getting a great hitter in Darius Hill in a 3-1 game. And then right there, Battenfield, probably a little bit on fumes. Throws that ugly one up there and gets the strikeout. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Cowboy Up. Uh, the first thing that I want to do with this episode is just apologize uh, for how long I had been away and not able to uh, make that all-elusive third episode. And I just wanted to uh, jump right in and just apologize about that to you guys. It's good to be back. It's good to be able to have some time to be able to uh, record another episode. Uh, last spring, to tell you the truth, life just got a little bit crazy. Things were extremely busy. And I hope that you guys can forgive me for that. Um, I am not a professional podcaster, so I'm not really ever sure when that next episode is going to be able to be recorded, but I hope that you guys stick with me. Um, I, I hope that I'm putting out a quality uh, podcast for this proud program, and uh, it, it's just one of those things where I never know when I'm going to be able to record that next episode. I'm very hopeful uh, that around Christmas time, I'll be able to put out another episode. And then, of course, I plan on putting out another season preview, uh, very similar to what I did last year, sometime in February. That's my hope. And then uh, as the season, as, as the, the spring baseball season gets going, uh, not really sure how often I'll be able to, to spit out episodes, but I'm, I'm hopeful that I can maybe do at least three or four episodes actually during the season this year. I think once the season got going last spring, I only put out one episode and that was uh, over Obrate Stadium. So again, just wanted to apologize to all of you for being away for so long. So uh, today, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the 2021 season. Um, since it's been such a, a long time since I put out an episode, 
I could spend the entire episode talking about the 21 season, and uh, but that's really not my plan here because I have a couple of other things that I want us to get into and be able to talk about. And uh, so the 2021 season, I think a lot of, of Oklahoma State grads and fans would say that it was a somewhat disappointing season. Uh, I'll own it. I was very overly optimistic going into to last year. I really thought that we had the depth all across the field to be able to make a very serious run at Omaha. Um, I really thought that we would have the pieces uh, to be able to finish top two in the Big 12 and to be able to host a regional and, and win that regional and at least get back to a super regional like what we did in 2019. Those things didn't come uh, to fruition. We, we got off to a real hot start. We were playing really solid baseball. Uh, got off to, I think, the hottest start that any of Holiday's OSU teams have uh, started to, to start a season. But um, once we got into the meat of our conference schedule, and especially really whenever we went down to Fort Worth to face TCU on the road, things kind of spun sideways on us. We suffered some pitching injuries. Um, when you lose your Friday night guy, your Sunday guy, and your closer – uh, for any extensive stretch of your conference season, uh, that's that's definitely going to uh, not turn out real well for most programs. Uh, going into the year, I really thought that we had the type of depth to be able to overcome injury issues like that, but obviously I was wrong. And uh, so we struggled a little bit in the middle of the conference season. Uh, we were able to put together a strong series against Baylor uh, to finish out our, our home schedule, uh, our home conference schedule, I guess the, the series with New Orleans was after that, I believe. And then going into the Big 12 tournament, really, you could argue that we played our best baseball in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, guys played really, really well, put ourselves in position to possibly be able to win the Big 12 tournament for, the, let's see, that would have been a third, uh, a third time in Holiday's tenure at OSU, and uh, just came up short, just came up short, ran into a TCU offense that uh, we were just not able uh, to do a great job of getting outs against, and wound up losing that Big 12 championship game 10-7, to and then went into regionals, and as soon as I saw the draw that we got in regionals over in Arizona against Cal Santa Barbara, and then of course if we were able to win that first game, probably matched up against Arizona, I did not like that matchup from the very beginning. <clears throat> and you know, we, we we deserved it. We didn't put ourselves in great position with the way that we played in the second half of the season, um, and we just didn't play well. You know, there's no sugarcoating that. We did not play good baseball in Arizona at all. I think anybody uh, would would tell you that. And so I guess we won, what, one game in the NCAA regional out in Arizona. That was the one against Grand Canyon. Uh, lost two times to Cal Santa Barbara and wound up home. So overall, I think 2021... A little bit of a disappointment. I think anyone associated with the program would admit that there was some disappointment there. Uh, not really uh, very many of, of the team's goals were reached, I'm sure. Um, 
But along the way, uh, making it all the way to the Big 12 Tournament Championship game again for, I think, the fifth time out of eight seasons that Holiday has been at the helm, uh, that's, <laughs> that's not too bad. That's some pretty good sustained success. So it, it seems like Holiday does a great job of getting us ready to play well in the Big 12 Tournament consistently. So that's a good thing to see. And, of course, we made it back to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of Oklahoma State grads and Oklahoma State fans that would say, hey, you know, um, making it to the NCAA tournament isn't that big of a deal. And I guess you can look at it that way, and I see where those people are coming from. But at the same time, I, I would argue this. There's one statistic that I was able to, uh, to pull up, and it, it took some researching on my part to get there. There, I believe, are only four, uh, four programs in the entire country that have made the NCAA tournament every single season since 2013. Of course, I'm not counting 2020 because there was no NCAA tournament in 2020. But four programs have made the NCAA tournament since the 2013 season. Oklahoma State is one of those. I believe the other three, and uh, I'm I'm 90% sure on this, so please uh, bear with me if I'm wrong on any of these, but I believe the other programs are Vanderbilt, LSU, and Florida State, I think. I think it's Florida State, Vanderbilt, and LSU. Again, I could be wrong on those. Um... Those four programs are the only ones in the entire country, Division I college baseball, that have qualified for the NCAA tournament every single season since 2013. And of course, 2013 was when Holiday took over for the Cowboys. Um, And a lot of people would say, oh, whatever, big deal. That's not a big deal. That's nothing worth bragging about. That's a really stupid statistic to pull up. Again, I hear you. It it should not be a big deal to make the NCAA tournament at Oklahoma State. I, I can agree with that. It should not be a big deal. It should not be something that we're necessarily bragging about because that's what we're about. We should be there every single year. Every single year. No doubt in my mind. But I will also throw this out there. If it was that easy to make the NCAA tournament every single year for that many years in a row then why have only four programs in the entire country accomplished that? That's, that's the other side of the coin. So I really hope that as people are listening to this podcast, I really hope that you understand that, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's okay to say, hey, 2021 was a disappointing season. We came up short of our goals. I think the players and the coaches and everyone surrounding the program would, would say the same thing. But don't label the season as a failure because I really don't think that it was at all. And and I think what I just said backs that up. Uh, We had some stretches of really good baseball being played. We had some injuries. Uh, We did not overcome those injuries really, really well. And I'll even throw this out there, and I'm, I'm not making excuses because, again, I think excuses are for losers. I think anyone who has played sports uh, would say that. Um, but last year was weird. 
it it was a strange year. Going to the games, 25% capacity in the ballpark for almost the entire season. It just had a weird feel to it. And then whenever you hear different various interviews from Coach Holiday and you hear that the entire team was not able to meet together 100% in its entirety until I think like the last week of the regular season or something stupid like that. So you've got to understand, you know, the team dynamic was really, really shaken up last year. But again, it's it's not like Oklahoma State was the only program facing those types of problems. Uh, that was the same for every Division One program out there. Everyone had their, their COVID protocols in place and uh, you know, you you had a situation where the whole year um, was was just shaken up uh, because of all of those protocols in place. It was a little bit odd, a little bit weird, um, and I'm sure that there were some teams that were really affected by that. Oklahoma State may have been one of them. I don't know that for sure. Um, but then you've got other teams that really stepped up and thrived. I mean, the, the seasons that Louisiana Tech and Charlotte had, um, historic seasons for those programs. Uh, they played tremendous baseball start to finish. Gonzaga had a tremendous year. We've got them on the schedule coming to Stillwater in 2022, so that's exciting. So obviously, you know, you had some programs that stepped up to the challenge of, of what was kind of a weird season. Um, and then you had other programs that had disappointing seasons, and you could also make the argument that, hey, that happens every single year. Every single year, you've got programs that have high expectations and fall short of those expectations, and then you've got other programs that kind of come out of nowhere and surprise everyone and put it together, and everything clicks, and uh, they they outperform their expectations uh, from the beginning of the season. So, Anyway, 2021 in a nutshell, I don't want to necessarily go on and on and on about it because it has been a little while (laughs) since the end of the 2021 season. And again, I do apologize about that to you guys. Hopefully I can find uh, time in my personal life to uh, be able to record more of these episodes. But again, I'm not going to make any promises, but uh, I hope that you guys are enjoying this show. So with 2021 talked about, I think I really pretty much said everything that I wanted to say about that. Um, now we'll go ahead and get into uh, just some of the bits and pieces that I found interesting, some of the developments of uh, fall baseball in Stillwater for the Cowboys. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was not able to make it out to any of the scrimmages this year. I was really hopeful that I would be able to, but I was not. So I am 100% going based on everything that I have read, and and trust me, I probably read more about Oklahoma State baseball than anybody else on the planet. Um, I'm going off of various message boards. I'm going off of D1Baseball.com. I'm going off of Baseball America. I'm going off of every single YouTube video interview that I can find with any members of our coaching staff. So I'm just kind of piecing all of this together for you guys so that um, you get just a little bit of of a picture of how the fall went for the Cowboys. Um. Hopefully I'll do a good job with this, but again, I did not see any of this with with my own eyes, so I'm not really speaking um, my personal opinions because I didn't get to see the guys play uh, during the fall, but this is all 
just kind of piecework from from different sources here and there that I was able to uh, to find on the wonderful internet. Um, I really think that the a good place to start would be that I always find it a really good sign uh, when your coach immediately during interviews starts referencing how close knit the guys are. Uh, it really does seem like everything that I've read, all signs point toward uh, this being a very cohesive group, a group that really gets along well. And, you know, I, I really do feel like that every program is probably going to say that, you know, but I, I don't necessarily think that every coach out there emphasizes it quite as much as Holiday has in some of his recent interviews. Uh, really seems like the guys enjoy working. I think the work ethic is something that pops out to me is that Holiday has talked a lot about the work ethic, how close these guys are, how hard they work, uh, the fact that they're using the facilities so much that they had to put a midnight curfew on the batting cages because the police officers in the Stillwater area were consistently calling Coach Holiday, apparently. And uh, letting him know that, hey, the lights are on over here. Is there anyone supposed to be over here? So I found that to be a really encouraging sign. Whenever you've got guys that are just working their tails off like that, that's always a good sign for your program. Um, so, yeah, I think that all signs point towards this being a very cohesive group. They seem to get along really well. They work really hard. The work ethic is definitely there. So that's a, a really good situation. Um, something else that Holiday has really referenced, and, and again, today I'm going to go in more on the position players. I'm going to save talking about the pitchers uh, for a different different episode. I'm hoping to be able to pop that episode out sometime around Christmas. So we'll talk about the pitchers later, but the position players, uh, Holiday references their strength, and I don't think this is a surprise to any anyone. If if any of you have been doing any reading at all on the internet about the the roster that we've assembled, we have a ton of power, a ton of power among these position players, and Holiday really thinks that that's going to be a strength of the team, and. You know, there's there's some people that that are probably going to say, well, does that mean that we're going to have a ton of strikeouts this year? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but you do often see teams that are geared more towards hitting the long ball. You see them strike out a lot as well. You see it on the pro levels. You see it on the college level. You see it everywhere. Um, so we'll have to see how that shakes out. I really think that probably a, a huge key to this team, I think the power is going to be there regardless. Uh, we're we're going to hit home runs. You know, if, if these guys stay healthy, if the majority of them stay healthy, they're going to hit home runs. The keys is going to be on-base percentage. Can we keep our on-base percentage at a decent clip? And can we cut down on the strikeouts? So, and, and really... Whenever I say strikeouts, really what I'm thinking is strikeouts situationally. Uh, there were some huge situations throughout the season last year where we came up empty-handed because of strikeouts rather than being able to put the ball in play. 
And, uh, and that hurts. That hurts. So when you're looking at statistics over the course of an entire season as a whole, sometimes I feel like it can be a little bit deceiving because it glosses over some of those really key moments that you have in Big 12 Conference Series where all you need to do is figure out a way to get your job done by putting the ball in play, and a strikeout can be, an, can be a complete killer. Um, that can often be the difference between winning a game and losing a game, is just one strikeout in one huge situation. And so on the pitching side, obviously that's what you're gunning for, but on the hitting side, it can be a really deadly blow to your team in the middle of a, of a conference series whenever you have a big situation. You have the opportunity to turn the momentum in your favor. You need to put the ball in play, and you don't. So looking at this team going forward, we'll have the power, we'll have the home runs, we'll have the slugging. Um, we'll probably have plenty of doubles, maybe even plenty of triples. We do have some speedsters on the team. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're going to have to be able to find a way to keep that on-base percentage at a respectable level and figure out a way to, uh, to in specific situations, cut down on the strikeouts. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to look towards for this team. Uh, when you look at the outfield, you've got Trinkle returning in center field. Um, he's extremely solid. He had a good year in 2021. Not not a great year, but a good year. I think his OPS was above 800, uh, which is pretty decent. Something that Holiday recently mentioned about Trinkle is the fact that he's really young for his classification. Um, I guess, you know, if it wasn't for 2020, I guess he would be a junior this year. Um, but he's really young age-wise for your normal junior so Holiday really believes that this is a guy that his best baseball is ahead of him, that he was just barely scratching the surface this last season, even though, again, he did not have a bad season. He actually had a very good season. Uh, defense is very good. He's very fast, very athletic in center field. So he's going to be the anchor of that outfield. And um, batting from the left side, hopefully he can uh, get on base just a little bit more at a little bit better clip than last year, even though his on-base percentage was not bad last year. Um, but he's probably looking at being our leadoff man again, so definitely need him to produce as far as getting on base and stealing some bases and running the bases, going first to third on, on base hits and things of that nature. Uh, let's see. In the corner outfields, uh, it sounds like John Bay had a really good fall. He's going to be another one that he, he's going to be all about that power. Um, he's going to be one that he'll, he'll really need to focus on that, you know, taking good at-bats, making sure that he's getting on base whenever he can. Um, but the power is really going to be the big part of John Bay's game. He's a home run hitter. And uh, then you've also got Lyle Miller-Green, Juco transfer from, I think it was Chipola. Uh, he started his college uh, career at George Mason, transferred to Juco, and then transferred to the Pokes. He played in the Cape Cod this last year. I think he was the Silver Slugger Award winner for Chatham, which of course is you know Tom Holiday's ball club up there. And uh, he's another one. Power, power, power from the right side. Very powerful. Um, th this guy's going to hit the ball a long, long ways whenever he connects. 
again, it just comes down to cutting cutting down on those strikeouts, making sure that on-base percentage doesn't dip too low. Uh, there's <clears throat> definitely some swing and miss to his game. And I know that that's something that the coaches are really working on him with. So um, it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on, uh, the improvements made as far as just piecing together quality at bats consistently uh, for some of these guys that have that light tower power like Bay, like Miller Green. Um, one of the things I was surprised about on the roster, I really expected Garrett Martin, another Juco transfer with crazy raw power. I was expecting him to possibly be listed as an infielder slash outfielder, um, but it looks like he's just listed as an infielder. So um, another outfield piece, Jake Thompson, we know that he can play left field. Uh, he played left field in several games for us last year before making kind of uh, really it almost seemed like a permanent move to first base in the middle of the season. I would expect for Thompson when he's in the field to be over in left field again this year. I think he'll also get a lot of reps at DH. Jake Thompson, we know exactly what we have in that guy. He takes tremendous at-bats. His on-base percentage was insane last year. I believe, I'm going off the top of my head, I believe his on-base percentage last year was 502 for the entire season. Uh, whenever you have an on-base percentage uh, like that, um, that's just silly. When you're facing the quality of pitchers that we faced last year, you know, three games against Vanderbilt, you're facing Big 12 programs, you get into the NCAA tournament, you're facing arms from Cal Santa Barbara. Uh, the on-base percentage that Thompson put up last year was silly. Absolutely silly. Uh, this guy is a proven hitter. He, he is extremely steady. Doesn't seem like he allows big situations to get him off track. Uh, he drew the game-winning RBI walk against Texas in the Big 12 tournament, and uh, that was just a, a terrific at-bat. I That one definitely sticks out in my mind. Um, Holiday mentioned in one of the interviews that he's probably three-hole, and I think that, that would be extremely solid for us. He's another guy that he can hit for a little bit of pop, um, and he's just going to he's gonna barrel up the ball when it's in the zone. But he's another guy that he doesn't chase the zone. He controls the zone really well. He takes terrific at-bats. Um, another option for outfield is going to be Rock Riggio. Um, I know that he battled a shoulder injury throughout the fall. So hopefully he's pretty close to 100%. Um, it would be huge. It would be absolutely huge to get Rock Riggio back to 100% before actual games are being played. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I know that this guy has been described by many, many of the scouts as it just born to hit. Quick twitch, um, absolutely phenomenal hitter. He's a guy that's going to hit for average as he continues to mature in the college game against better pitching. He's also going to hit for power. He's a small guy, but he has, has tremendous power from the left side. Um, I saw some video of him in high school and, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, a crazy baseball expert. Um, but what this guy kind of reminds me of just a little bit is maybe potentially someone kind of like an Andrew Benatendi, uh, who obviously was a huge star over at Arkansas, 
played in that 2015 regional here in Stillwater. And uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Mike Freeman was able to uh, make sure that he didn't go off on us, even though we didn't wind up winning that particular matchup with Arkansas. Uh, but Ben Attendee, there, there's absolutely no denying whenever you watched him in the college game, uh, his bat speed was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I think Rock Riggio is a similar type of guy, small, packs a punch, but he's just, he's born to hit. And Holiday in one interview de- described Riggio as he's just a winning player. He's just a winning player. Uh, whenever you've got someone who played the game the way that Holiday did, uh, describing a kid, a true freshman, who hasn't even played a Division One game yet as a winning player um, and, and mentioning his grit and his toughness. I think that that's a, a really high compliment there. Um, moving to the infield, I'll talk about the middle infield first. Riggio also factors into a possibility in the middle infield. Um, not really so sure about shortstop, but I, I would say that it's very possible that Riggio could end up uh, playing quite a bit of second base throughout the season, but we'll see how things unfold. There's lots of interesting moving pieces on this field for this Cowboy team. Really feel like that uh, there's some versatility there with with guys like, like Riggio that can move all around the field. Um, another one that I'm going to go ahead and reference that is very, very similar to Riggio as far as the compliments that Holiday has given him, uh, Zach Earhart. Zach Earhart is listed as an outfielder and infielder. Um, he's he's uh, another one that Holiday has discussed as just a winning player. Uh, his grit and his toughness apparently really stood out throughout the fall. Um, he's one that Holiday said had an immediate impact whenever those fall scrimmages started up. So I'm really excited to see what Earhart brings to the table. Uh, this is a guy that sounds like he's he's very mature for his age, and uh, he's a winner. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I know that I think that he played shortstop in high school, so he would be another second base candidate or maybe corner outfield. We'll kind of have to wait and see about that. Um, shortstop, we have Huey Morrill coming back. Uh, we know what we have there uh, defensively. Guy has just amazing arm strength at shortstop. Um, his defensive ability is unquestioned. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt that Morrill can be an elite defender at shortstop. It just comes down to being a little bit more consistent. Last year, he got a little bit sidetracked with one or two different injuries that he had throughout the year, and uh, and he was a little bit more error-prone than I'm sure that he wanted to be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Morrill steps back this year and, and is able to uh, come back and, and provide some innings at shortstop. We'll see how his bat does there. Um, his bat last year, pretty inconsistent. Um, I think he would be the first to tell you that he had more of an inconsistent year than what he wanted. So it'll be very interesting to see how Morrill comes back in 2022. And of course, Morrill is also uh, going to be used on the mound some as well, apparently. Uh, he In the fall, it sounded like he looked very, very sharp on the mound. So that's another option for him as well. Also at shortstop, you've got Marcus Brown. Uh, Marcus Brown, 
maybe my favorite player to watch last year. He was a lot of fun to watch. Um, he's very enthusiastic in the way that he plays the game. He's full of energy all the time. Uh, he, he really seems like a leader in the making. Uh, this is the type of kid that when he gets on the field, he just kind of finds ways to make things happen. He, he's, he's right in the middle of it from the very beginning. The ball seems to kind of find him on defense, and uh, he seems like a very solid defender. Holiday mentioned that he's, he's very, very dependable, even at shortstop, even though he was playing second base his freshman year. At shortstop, Holiday sees him as a very dependable defender. And then on the offensive side, uh, he absolutely exploded in the Appy League. Of course, he had a great hitting season his freshman year in Big 12 play, uh, as he continued to, to get more and more innings at second base, he, he was a great hitter for us last year. But in the Appy League, he just went all ridiculous. I think he wound up with a batting average of over 400, and he wound up, wound up being the, um, the Appy League player of the year uh, this past summer. So I think Marcus Brown is definitely one to keep an eye on. I think this guy is... Um, I'm not sure if I would call him a superstar in the making, but I definitely think that he's a star in the making. I think that he is definitely a leader in the making, and uh, I, I think it's going to be really exciting to see how his spring uh, develops as he continues to get more and more experience going against the the best pitching out there. Um, let's see. Uh, was there any other middle infield options I wanted to talk about. Of course, Garrett Martin is listed as an infielder. I believe he played shortstop at McLennan uh, Juco this last year, and they were the ones that won the Juco World Series. So obviously that was a tremendous team that he played on. He hit 20 home runs uh, in Juco ball this last year. He has crazy raw power. He's just another one that he's going to have to continue to, to develop Um into taking consistently uh, good at-bats and making sure that he controls the zone, doesn't chase too much, and uh, keeps that on-base percentage at a, a decent level. Corner infield, we've got Griffin Dorshing. It, it really looks like Griffin Dorshing is going to be our guy over at first base. As a matter of fact, I think that corner infield, barring injuries, Corner infield is probably already set for the Pokes. I think that first base um, with Griffin Dorshing, third base with Nolan McLean, uh, those two guys cannot wait to see them play. Both of them, tremendous power from the right side, but here's what sticks out to me, and, and this is the thing that is, whenever players in college are able to put this together, it's just so much fun to watch. These guys can hit the ball a mile, almost literally, <laughs> you know, Nolan McLean was as a true freshman hitting baseballs in division one games completely over the batter's eye in center field. Um, I'm still waiting for someone to hit just like the corner of that overhang <laughs> so that we can see what those umpires are going to rule. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and, and listen to, to episode two, but I'm still waiting for one of our guys to hit that overhang because I'll be, when, when that happens, if I'm in the ballpark when that happens, I'm definitely going to be uh, watching the umpires like a hawk to see what the call really is. But you had Nolan McLean launching baseballs last year completely over the batter's eye as a true freshman. 
and a guy who wasn't even 100% focused on baseball at the time because he was split in time with the football team. Uh, and then you've got Griffin Dorshing. The guy won the Division One college home run derby in 2019 at TD Ameritrade. So, uh, yeah, if a guy does that, that means that he's big-time power. What separates these two young men from other guys who are still uh, maybe a little bit further back in their development is that Dorshing's on-base percentage and ability to draw the walk uh, absolutely elite uh, during his time at Northern Kentucky. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's Northern Kentucky. That's not Big 12 pitching. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, but this guy, he's, he's a fifth-year college player, um, very, very mature in his approach, Obviously has really good coaches to work with, with, with Ventura and Matt Holiday, And so I'm really interested to see how Dorshing does, but I really think this is going to be our guy at first base. Look for him to have a really, really good season. And then McLean, even at a, as a true freshman this last season, um, hit with power, but when you look at his, his ability to draw the walk last year, his on-base percentage was very respectable, especially for a true freshman. So these two guys, they control the strike zone. They take quality at-bats. Um, so they're, they're going to take their walks, but they're also going to hit home runs. So if both of them can stay healthy, I think that really you're looking at your starting third baseman and first baseman uh, for the Cowboys for 2022 there. Um, anyway, I'm not going to do a complete roster breakdown today. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about catcher real quick before moving on to kind of the final segment of today's episode at catcher. You've got Chase Atkinson. It looks like Atkinson is going to be the, uh, the guy for us, the, the, uh, that first string catcher for us going into the season. Um, he's a guy that transferred in from San Jacinto uh, Junior College. San Jacinto is maybe for the past decade is maybe the best JUCO program out there. Uh, they're, they've got crazy talent every single year. He was their starting catcher last year. Holiday loves him. Um, I was really kind of wondering – in my own mind, I was thinking that maybe catcher was going to be a pretty big question mark for us coming into this season. But after hearing what Holiday has to say about about Chase, uh, it really kind of helped me feel better about that position. And of course, really, guys, we, we all know that that's one of those premium positions that if you really have big time goals for your team, you have to have quality catchers. You, you That catcher has to be one of those positions where you're really strong at. I think Chase Atkinson is going to be that guy. Um, Holiday loves his defensive ability. Um, really good receiving and blocking skills. Has an accurate arm. Uh, very mature, disciplined hitter. A um, little bit of kind of a quiet approach, but apparently really gets the job done in the batter's box. Um, Holiday described him as extremely tough, extremely tough, and uh, that he's super steady, has a good idea of what he's doing, um, both behind home plate and in the batter's box. So um, whenever Holiday describes someone like that, that that really kind of makes me feel a little bit better uh, going into the season. And then you've got Ian Doherty, super talented true freshman coming in behind him, possibly second string catcher. 
Um, Holiday likes what he has seen from him in the fall. And then uh, David Mendham, we got a transfer from South Carolina. Um, he can play catcher and I think I think maybe also first base is a left-handed hitter. So he's going to bring that um, some more left-handed uh, hitting to the lineup. So Mendham is also one to keep an eye on for uh, for getting a lot of innings this year at the catcher position. Um, so that kind of brings me to one final point about this position player group. Um, something that I find, I don't know if I would use the term interesting or concerning. I, I'm not really sure. And again, you know, I didn't even get to see this team in the fall with my own eyes. So we'll see how it shakes out. But something that seems to be the case to me is that the lineup is shaking out in a way that almost all of your big-time power is going to be from the right side. You're more steady at bats, higher on base percentage, get on base type of guys are more of your left-handed hitters. So it's interesting that there's not necessarily a great balance there. Um, but I guess depending on how Coach Holiday structures those lineups whenever he fills out those lineup cards, that could be kind of an interesting thing to watch to see how he kind of juggles around his lineup and who he puts at the top and uh, who he puts at the bottom and everybody else filling in in between. It, I just find it a little bit interesting that our big-time pop is almost all from the right side and our more on-base slasher type of guys are, are mostly from the left side uh, whenever it comes to hitting. So that'll be an interesting thing to follow. Um, just thought I would make that side note with you guys. Uh, just something interesting to watch as the season gets underway in, uh, in February. So moving on to the final segment today as we kind of wrap things up. This is Thanksgiving week. And I just wanted to throw out there just uh, just three quick things that I think that we all as baseball fans can be very very appreciative and thankful for. Um, I know that the first thing to me that jumps out to me is that we actually got a full season of college baseball in 2021. Very thankful for that. Um, you know, yeah, maybe the season for us Cowboys was a little bit of a disappointment, definitely not a failure. Uh, but at the same time, it was so enjoyable to be able to get out to O'Brate Stadium a few times, kick back, relax, enjoy some good food, and enjoy some high-quality baseball. And overall, uh, the season had tremendous weather. Uh, it was really, really awesome weather out there to be able to go and see the boys play. And, uh, you know, after the season that we had, after the whole year that we had in 2020, it really was nice uh, to be able to, to get back to at least some sort of normalcy, getting out to the ballpark in 2021 and enjoying some Cowboy baseball. I know that I personally am very thankful for that happening. Um, something else baseball-related that I wanted to bring up, um, the return of real-deal postseason Major League Baseball. And yeah, you're probably thinking, oh, well, they had a postseason in 2020. Yeah, th they did, but my goodness, it just wasn't the same. Um, I'll just throw out an example to you guys that it just it made me smile from ear to ear whenever it when, whenever I turned the the game on. Very first postseason major league game of the season of the postseason 
Red Sox Yankees at Fenway. I get home from work. I turn that thing on. And oh my goodness, <laughs> the Fenway fans were going insane on the first strike of the ball game. That atmosphere was so tremendous. Now, whether you're a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan or a Cardinals fan or Dodgers fan or whoever you root for, uh, if you're just a fan of baseball, and, and I'll defend this until I die, I really feel like baseball fans, we're, we're a different breed. We really are. And, and that's not to knock the other sports, basketball, soccer, football, whatever, wrestling, golf. I'm not knocking the other sports. I'm just saying that true, real deal baseball fans, there's some uniqueness to the way that we view things and, and what really gets our blood pumping. And I know for a fact that every single true baseball fan out there in America, when they turned on that Yankees-Red Sox game in Fenway for that American League wildcard game and saw Fenway just cram-packed with people just screaming their heads off on the very first pitch of the ball game, uh, that just had to make any baseball fan smile. I mean, that was just... It was tremendous. It it got me a little bit. I was just sitting there in the chair thinking, oh man, baseball is officially back. Uh, that was a really cool thing to see. And then third thing that I want to throw out there to be thankful for, and actually I'm going to mention four things. I kind of forgot about one thing. Third, um, I just want to mention that 2022 Obrate Stadium, full capacity. It looks like it's going to happen, and I'm just super excited about that and very, very thankful that that is going to be something that we're all going to get to experience. Um, had to watch that New Orleans game last year for the uh, the grand opening of Obrate full capacity. Had to watch that one on TV, and man, that just really it looked like a crazy awesome atmosphere, especially whenever we made that comeback late in the game. Uh, that was a really cool thing to see, and I'm just really jacked about being able to get out to the ballpark and experience that ballpark full capacity, 2022. Get your tickets, people. <laughs> All right, get your tickets. They're going to go real fast. And then uh, the last thing that I want to throw out there that kind of goes hand in hand with that is uh, a huge shout out and thank you uh, to the to Cecil O'Brate and his family for their generous gift. Uh, Obrate Stadium obviously doesn't happen without them and, and their generosity. So just wanted to personally throw this out there on this podcast, a humongous orange thank you for that. And so with that being said, that's our show for today. I really hope that y'all enjoyed it. In the meantime, um, I'll try to keep you updated on Twitter. If you haven't found me on Twitter yet, it's uh, OSUBB Podcast. Uh, cowboy up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'll try to keep you guys updated on when I'm cooking up the next podcast episode. I'm very hopeful that I can get one out there around Christmas, New Year's time. And then hopefully in February, I can do another uh, more in-depth season preview as the 2022 season uh, really gets a lot closer to being underway. So for now, y'all take care, stay safe, cowboy up. Thank you.